I thought they were slow to move. I think that has made for a bit of a hit on their brand valuation. I think they have the strength and the sustained depth of practice in that organisation to overcome. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. In marketing today, we spend a lot of time and effort discussing brand and branding. This millennium, there's been some breakthrough theories on this, including Byron Sharp's How Brands Grow and Benayan Field's The Long and the Short of It. But for all the effort put into creating brands, they're still not finding a place on the balance sheets of the world's corporations. Today, we're going to be talking about brands, the role of brands in business growth, the role of customer experience in defining brands, and measuring brand value for business. To discuss this, I have a guest who has experience creating, designing, assessing, and managing brands. Starting a career as a designer at the global brand consultancy, Wolf Islands, She's been the Global Creative Director at Natural Skincare Brand Julique, Director of Experience Design and Brand at Deloitte, Managing Director at Interbrand Australia, and is now the Founder and Chief Thinker at The Design Thinkers. Please welcome to Managing Marketing, the amazing Nicola Mansfield. Welcome, Nicola. Thank you so much, Darren. Lovely to be here. You have spent a lifetime or a career really thinking about brands, haven't you? I have indeed. And what's attracted you to it? Or was it one of those uh, things that you just fell into? Um, I started life as a graphic designer, but was always very motivated by the thinking that went behind a design. So for me, whatever lands on a page is actually the, the manifestation of a strategy. And what very quickly became apparent to me is that great design needed excellent strategy behind it. I I think sometimes that graphic design is as much about information design as it is about communication. So how to make those marks on the page as compelling and as informative as possible. So brand came as a very natural development. Ironically, whilst I was at Wolf Ollens in the late 90s, early noughties, Um, the the thinking around brand really developed. And it was at that point uh, that that Wally Ollens wrote the book on brand where we started to talk about personality. Prior to that, brands had not had personality. It was corporate identity. It was marks on a page. So I think the, the emotional layer came into branding as well as that strategy. And for me, it's that convergence of the rational and the emotional that makes branding such a compelling discipline. Yeah, it's interesting from my perspective because, you know, having a science background and then getting into advertising years ago, you know, brands are things that consumers think about, but not in the same way that the industry thinks about brand. I'm just wondering, do you have a, 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 a working definition that you use to explain brand to people that may be confused about what a brand is? 
Yeah, I I would say that a brand in its simplest terms is the way that you feel about an organisation and the memory that you hold around it. So inherent in those two aspects is that emotional response, which is the resonance that we're seeking. We want people to have a connection with organisations. We've worked those emotional layers into the way we brand. But it is also about the the much more rational read of an organisation and that's perhaps what gets stored into the memory as well. It's when those two halves work together, the left and the right brain work together, that ultimately we have a really powerful definition of an organisation. Because a lot of people, and I'm talking about not marketers, but business people think of brand as the logo type only. You know, and and I guess some of that comes because there's a sort of mythology that brand, the word brand, comes from the old um, rancher branding the cattle. You know that that was what the brand was. It was somehow the brand on the steer is now the brand on the corporation. Do you think that's a, a misleading um, uh, example? I, I think it is a true example and it's a, you know, I, I, I was saying this to somebody the other day and they said, you've just blown my mind. They hadn't actually correlated the burnt impression that we leave on a cowhide with the, the principle of branding that we have today. So I think it is absolutely the case, but it's a very simplistic read. And I would say to anybody who thinks that a brand is a logo, that they are missing enormous opportunities. We've come through in the last decade what many have termed the experience economy, which is absolutely the embracing of the multi-channel existence that we live in, the multi, you know, the the complexity of touch points that every consumer has with an organisation. If all we're thinking about when we think of brand is a logo, we're missing the vast majority of opportunities to reinforce the way an organisation is perceived by its consumers. Because mm. the other argument I have with a lot of brand managers is about who owns the brand. And they say, well, we do. And I go, well, actually, the brand exists in the minds of the consumer. So does that mean you own their minds? You know, I said you're called a brand manager because you manage it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you own it. And then I've got lawyers that go, well, trademarks say we do own it. And I go, yes, you own a logo type or you own a, a set of words or you can own colours, as, you know, Cadbury tried to own or do own purple, I think, for, for confectionery. But yeah, who do you think owns the brand or it does anyone? It's interesting and I think with the advent of social media, the public has definitely found its voice and its ability to use it. So commentary on brands is more of a factor than it has ever been before. What I would say is that creates an absolute necessity for an organisation to be in control of the myriad of moving parts that a consumer could potentially comment on. And ultimately that means whilst I would say the organisation owns its brand, the public owns the right to comment on how truthfully they are living the principles that they're purporting to, um, you know, live, live by. So there's an accountability. The public owns the accountability 
uh, an organisation owns the brand. Within the organisation, there are numerous owners. And this is one of the, the really interesting things when we started Australia's first customer experience consultancy, understanding that, in fact, we were going to be able to affect meaningful change for an organisation whenever we saw an integrated organisational structure. An organisation existing in silos was going to be very difficult for us to affect consistency across different business silos. So for me, there are numerous owners within an organisation that have the ability to affect the way a brand is manifested in market, but 100% the public owns the accountability. And any organisation, going all the way back to that initial read of brand is a logo, we start to understand the huge mistakes or errors or potential for disconnect that that creates for an organisation that is not adopting a more sophisticated view of brand. So it's interesting um, and that it's a great view that you bring there and I really, you know, I, it gives me an extra dimension in the way I think about brand. The thing about brand is it exists not for its own sake but it is actually an important part of business growth, isn't it? It actually does have a value uh, proposition, even though, as I said in my introduction, it doesn't appear on the balance sheet anywhere. Yes, I think brand is in this age of consumer-driven or customer-led economies. Brand is critical to growth. A brand, when done well, is an external articulation of the business strategy. If there is a disconnect between the strategies that an organisation has set for its business and the way that is being articulated in market, that creates all sorts of disconnect. We've actually just been through, when we think about the, the Banking Royal Commission, effectively it highlighted the disconnects between what the bank's business strategies were, growth, 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 and what their brands were purporting to be, which was about customer-led orientation. When the KPIs and the uh, operations disconnect, we create a void into which many of the big banks fell and was that was highlighted during the Royal Commission. So what we need to ensure is that those strategies that the business is working towards line up with the way the brand is communicating and the way the brand is communicating through all channels. Yeah, because um, and and this has uh, really been touched on by both, uh, as I referred to, Benet and Field and uh, Professor Byron Sharp, in that brand is about taking a long-term view, and in the case of Benet and Field, and balancing that with short-term activities, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So... If a brand is a articulation of business strategy, then it is positioned effectively. It is positioned for growth. It has a defendable position, which, you know, as, as you and I were speaking about the other day, in, in a perfectly managed brand, you actually have got such distinctive brand codes that you should be seeing yourself in a place where you could potentially write cease and desist letters for any competitors that are beginning to converge onto area that you have clearly defined as your own. 
that is a fantastic expression of how brand can be an articulation of a business strategy. And when that is done well, then you are building brand. And then if we think about the long and the short of it, that is where you're starting to put down a foundation that is going to ensure any tactical activity is going to drive sustained growth. But if you do not have that foundation, if you do not have that meaningful differentiation articulated effectively, then you will find more and more of your marketing budget is being spent towards short-term bursts that might deliver an immediate result but is not ultimately going to build brand value. And also potentially compromise future sales as well. Yes, because you put yourself into a a situation where your market becomes dependent and the beauty sector is absolutely, you know, constantly um, facing this challenge of having educated consumers about discounts and then consumers will wait for products to come on sale before they make purchase. Gift with purchase, which is the the terminology within the beauty sector, is the greatest constraint of brand that anyone ever invented. But it's a tactical manoeuvre that drives immediate results, which a CMO can use to deliver on a CEO's objectives. The the net result, however, is a constrained market. You're 100% right. Trinity P3. A lot of conversation around brand seems to be coming from the advertising industry. And when we think of marketing, marketing, you know, whether you use the four P's or seven P's or whatever, but it is, uh, advertising is primarily about promotion. And I think a lot of times people think that brand is a function of that promotional expression of the business or activity of the business in the same way as some people think the logo is the expression of the brand. But I think you've touched on this. I just wouldn't mind you elaborating because a lot of people see brand as a function of advertising, but it's not really. It's much larger than that. Yeah, well, I think we've spoken about brand as an external articulation of a business strategy. That's how I define brand, but I would agree that there are numerous advertisers who think that brand is merely uh, uh, the, the, the end frame of their above the line spot. I think there is also enormous confusion with anybody who works in the product space about the role of brand versus the role of product brand, corporate brand, product brand. It is muddy. It is muddy. But I think ultimately, back to your original point on brand valuation, are you using the way your business is perceived in market to drive immediate short-term bursts of sales? Or are you using the way your business is perceived in market to sustain an ongoing conversation and value for your business. And way too many people are doing the former. Brand as a vehicle for driving immediate sales or promotional bursts. If more people were understanding the true bottom line value that we can generate for shareholders or for boards or for executive or for CEOs or whoever, then we would have a very, very different view about the way we manage brand. And I think we would get ourselves out of many of these short-term bursts, this short-term thinking that constrains the role of brand in market. 
Because yeah. um, Byron Sharp's book is interesting, How Brands Grow, in that he talks about mental availability and physical availability. And, you know, obviously physical availability is, you know, how you purchase or engage in the service, which part of that is experience, to, to your point. And But mental availability is a combination of all these things. I don't think it's just advertising, is it? No, I don't think it is. And I think mental availability, if we go back to think about system one and system two thinking, a well-constructed brand which has been designed to resonate with its target audience has recall. A poorly constructed brand isn't clearly articulated has a disconnect from core target audiences, it's going to be that much harder to recall and retain. But despite all of that, in, and let's assume that we've got the, the brand strategy working effectively so that all of those USPs, the CVPs, they've all been beautifully considered in a clean, crisp, immediate um, memory of a brand, when we think about how to actually drive value in market, um, Kantar does an amazing result with some of their research. And they're saying from their salience uh, measure, which is one of the three contributors towards the value or the, the, the amplifier of brand, that actually only 25% of that salience comes from media. And they would say 75% comes from omni-channel customer experience. So there's availability and there's how we're pushing that message into market. The availability needs to be well-designed through strategy in order to be as crisp and articulate as it possibly can be. But then it needs to be expressed in an omni-channel way. It's not just about how much you're spending on your ATL budget. Trinity P3. You brought it up before when we were talking about who owns the brand. You know, a lot of this is flipped with the, and I imagine, with the uh, rise of social media, you know, because a lot of the thinking back in the days when, you know, mass marketing and, and mass broadcasting, for instance, you know, a, a, a marketer could put their ad for their brand on television and reach millions of people, right? But the consumer, if they had a bad customer experience, could tell the people that they knew back in those days. Now in the day of social media, it's harder and harder for a brand to use media to reach millions of people unless they go with you know, multiple media channels to try and accumulate that reach. And yet uh, customers now have social media which can quickly amplify a negative brand experience because you know it's it's like that viral thing. It's always the negative things that take off. It's the positive things that seem to struggle. It's it's a big flip, isn't it, in the way that we think about the management of brands. It's a huge flip, but in fact, I would say that the end result is probably the same. It is an organisation reaching millions of people, but rather doing it through an ATL spot on TV you are now reaching those millions of people through a managed conversation in social media. So the emphasis goes from the big idea that has driven the advertising industry for so many decades towards the way that communities are managed through social media. 
And if those communities are managed effectively because there is a robust brand that has been well understood by everybody who is in control of the levers around that brand, then you have the ability to achieve what we've always wanted, which is engage consumers. Only you're doing that through social media channels and through community management of conversations. And it's interesting when you talk to community managers that are working on well-defined brands, they say often you don't need to come in and intervene because your um, uh, community members that are behind the brand, that have bought into the brand, will often defend you or support you in the face of that. But I was thinking more about, you know, customer experience, you know. Um, I know from personal experience and, and financial services and uh, and telcos seem to be the two big ones because a lot of the interfaces, either through the internet or through you know, phone, tele, um, call centres and the like, and there seems to be lots of opportunity for poor experience, you know, and that's the one that then gets amplified through social media. When you're frustrated with a brand that you're bought into, that you're a customer of, it's very easy now to then share that poor experience with others. And I'm just wondering if there's some sort of measure of, you know, one annoyed customer is worth how much in advertising dollars to try and counter it. I think that would be a fabulous measure. That's something you and I should be working on, Dara. <laughs> but I do think that the, you know, what you've just said there is it touches across a couple of things. I 100% agree um, that the most effective measure of a well-articulated and managed brand is a community that is managing itself. And I think that should be a goal for business, to think in such a distributed fashion. It's no longer about the big idea on an advertising spot, that it is about a community of individuals who are so committed to a brand, so loyal to a brand, that they will manage negative conversation out of a community discussion. That should be the goal. Um, customer experience is 100% the bit in the middle. So if you are not managing the experience that your consumers are having through the multitude of channels, if you are not delivering consistently, if you are uh, not doing as well as you can in all of that because you've not managed it, because you've not set up measures of control, then yes, you will create dissatisfaction. So part of that self-managed community goal is around a well-designed experience and a well-managed experience. So three almost things there. I think we've got the brand that needs to be an effective articulation of business strategy. Then we've got a customer experience that considers every touch point a consumer will engage with and that it is managed effectively, which requires that integrated organisational structure in order to get you to the end point of having a community of loyalists that are so committed to your organisation that they will manage out any negative influences or forces. Yeah. It then highlights the importance of brand internally with employees and within the organisation, doesn't it? Because, again, uh, many people will think of brand as just a function of marketing, but the way you're articulating it, it becomes a function for the whole business because it's an articulation of business strategy. 
Absolutely. And of and if customer experience really ought to be considered as brand operationalized. So I have a, a concern about the way our sector has gone in that brand consultancies stick in the territory of pure brand, advertisers stick in the territory of, of communicating that brand, and customer experience sits off to one side. For me, customer experience and brand are hand in glove. And when you think about what a brand is going to be, you need to think about how that is going to go to market. And you need to work with your clients to really articulate and help them understand how to operationalize those ideas. So that's where the design, experience design comes in, but absolutely operationalizing it is, is the business's means. It, the, the front line is distributed. And the front line is every single person who is in control of a piece of communication or a delivery mechanism of a product or a service for any consumer. So if everybody is not behind that brand, if everybody is not able to use that system one thinking of articulating it as quickly as the consumers can, you run the risk of not having a defined brand expression. Yeah, and it's the anomalies from that that actually stand out for people because it's interesting that almost in some ways brand success becomes a yoke for some organisations because they've created such a great brand. It creates an expectation amongst consumers about what that represents. And so where there are anomalies, it really feels like a bit of a, you know, a, a, a jab, a shock. Yeah, for a well-managed brand, the bits that are falling down become very apparent very quickly. Um, for a well-managed brand that has great loyalty with its consumers, then any sort of directional change, either with a new product or a new service or a pivot on an existing, should be done with the consumers because they are loyalists, because you have the opportunity to bring them with you. So random pivots... <laughs> do create a, a yoke, um, which is a problem for a well-managed brand. But I think a well-managed brand is well-managed because they implicitly understand what their consumers want and need. And so therefore, I, I would imagine those businesses would be less likely to take a random move that could upset their audiences than a business who is less connected with what its, its people want internally or externally. Mm. And we've got some good examples, you know, just in the last couple of years because the rise of cancel culture, and that's a real, you know, an extreme version of social media power, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, but uh, we've had examples where brands have taken a short-term hit, and I'm thinking of Adidas uh, over Kanye West. You know, there was a big um, uh, backlash amongst the Twitterati, I'll call them. But then it, because of the strength of the Adidas brand, you know, 24 hours later, 48 hours, a week later, the brand sustains itself because of the strength of the brand and it's moved forward. Of course, they made decision to drop him, but then there was criticism that the decision took too long to be made. But I think it's still evidence of strong brand management and the creation of strong brands that they're able to ride that out and continue on. I would 100% agree. I think that the 
issues that Adidas faced, I, I thought they were slow to move. I think that has made for a bit of a hit on their brand valuation. I think they have the strength and the sustained depth of practice in that organisation to overcome, but it it did take a hit. It did take a hit because it took too long. And cancel culture is um, absolutely what brand value can be a insurance policy against in the event that you've done all of those things that we said. You've got a, a brand strategy that is a great articulation of business strategy. You've designed your experience and you're managing it effectively. And ultimately, you then have a self-managed community that is going to help you protect your brand value. Your consumers can be your advocates. That's what we've always wanted. We've always wanted engaged consumers. We've spoken about advocacy as a measure. Social media is the expression of everything we've wanted. But I would say people who manage their brands in a simplistic fashion are at risk. They've got what they've wanted, but because they're not managing brands as effectively as they could be, they are at risk. Yeah, I like the idea of it being an insurance policy because I think as organisations are moving more and more to celebrity and influencer, there comes a greater risk. While, while there may be greater rewards if you get it right, there's certainly greater risk of being able to control this, you know, because you're increasing the number of people that are potentially influencing your brand. And, and distributing that further and further from the core as well. So having a strong core brand and very clear articulation of what the values of that brand are becomes almost an essential platform from which you would go into, you know, increasing your exposure to the risk of, you know, influencer and celebrity um, endorsement. Yes, because there's a consistency piece in all of this. So you've got your brand strategy, you've got your experience design, you've got your self-managed community, but you need to be as consistent as you can be in order to retain that really strong systems one emotional and systems two rational response to the to your brand. The further you go from the core and the more you rely on influences, you are in fact not only distributing from the core, but you're distributing the agenda as well. Those influencers have an agenda. They stand for something. They want their connection to your brand to be, it has to be mutual. So you're putting more influencers into what that simple message is, which makes it harder and harder to be consistent. Trinity P3. As an industry, we're inclined to focus on the brands that draw attention to themselves for whatever reason, but I think we often do that and overlook those that are just ongoingly doing a terrific job at building and managing brands. You know, and it used to be said that the consumer packaged goods uh, industry, the, the, the Procter and Gamble's, the Unilever's, the... Um, now it's called Mondelez, it used to be Kraft. You know, this was the effectively the university of brand, wasn't it? But it's gone beyond that. I mean, there are still uh, parts, there's uh, verticals of business that are now using some of, you know, that logic and that approach or that philosophy to build their own brands outside of the sort of traditional packaged goods area, isn't there? 
Yes, I think perhaps FMCG and packaged goods was where it started. But I think, you know, even as we've spoken about consumers, in my mind, I'm also thinking about B2B organisations because they have consumers as well. It just happens that they're not individuals in market sometimes. So thinking about what we've spoken about for me applies across the board, whether it be packaged goods whether it be a B2C organisation, whether it be a B2B brand, they all require the same things. And when you spoke about um, brands that are loud, I, I like that and that triggered a thought in my mind about coming back to cancel culture. The louder you are, the more you shout, the more you are attracting attention, the more you have to be consistently doing what you say you will do. I think organisations like Patagonia are by their very nature much quieter, but they stand for a lot more. So I think the loudness of shouting has also changed a little bit and that has had a big impact on advertising and the way we go to market. Is it about that big splashy um, half-time spot or is it in fact an initiative to reduce consumption? How we achieve volume in market for me has also changed and the, the consumers who are going to be motivated in a more purposeful way are not going to be so interested in, in businesses or brands that shout loudly. Yeah, I think though there's still a, um, there's a large mix of largely undifferentiated or low interest categories where they have to work harder to actually get that engagement though, don't they? Yeah, I'm. I, I, my head is going to insurance. For me, that's one of the, we spoke about insurance earlier, but as a category, it's super interesting because it's a product that you engage with, but you hope you never, ever have to use. <laughs> Not many products can say that. So the role of brand in that instance does need to be different. I think that's where you get into the role of brand. And I think that's how you can variegate your approach across different categories. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah, yeah, for me no. that's, yeah. No, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's very difficult to have a conversation about brand and it's really one size fits all, you know, because the other area that's interesting is startups, you know, with all the technology startups and they're all suffering uh, at the moment because the cost of money, the cost of funding has become uh, in has increased significantly. But at what point should organisations be thinking about creating the brand? You know, there is the uh, what's called the founders' advantage, which is you know, the founder articulates the the purpose in some ways or the values of the organisation. But I don't think they ever think about it as brand until probably around the point that they're about to go to IPO and suddenly they need something to sell to the investors beyond just their financial performance or, or future earnings. I think brand definitely does have stages which need to adapt to the business life cycle. I think at the very inception of a business, it's all about the pitch and you have to have a really crisp articulation because you are spending your life elevator pitching. As the business matures, it's exposed to more and more market forces, which may pull that business into different directions. 
in that event, in that sort of mid-stage, the brand needs to be harnessing everything that the founder's advantage gave. So what is your core purpose? How does that influence your people? How do you want your consumers to connect into it? And then as you become much larger and you move into mature or enterprise scale, the role of brand has, it differs again. It becomes hugely important to engage your internal communities, to retain your top talent, to recruit top talent in the war on talent. So employer brand becomes absolutely massive. And loyalty, because it's all well and good to rely on the newness and the excitement of newness, but how are you going to sustain interest in your organisation as it comes off the boil from a from a trend perspective? So the yeah. role of brand definitely changes over the business life cycle. And brand is never done. And I think this is one of the things that so many marketers get wrong. You know, we've, we've done the refresh, we've done the rebrand, tick, move on, but not spending long enough to manage all of those other aspects that we've spoken about, not to manage the customer experience, not to manage the, the communities that are forming around it, not to manage evolution of products as new propositions become essential to maintaining business relevance. It's never done. You have to always have your eye on it, and that's part of effectively manage brands. While you were saying that, it made me realise that, you know, because there's quite a lot of cynicism in the marketplace about CMOs becoming chief customer officers. But in some ways, you need to step beyond marketing to become a, to be a brand uh, a, a growth driver, to be a chief customer officer, because you need to be able to influence all of those touch points, as you say, where the customer interacts. Absolutely. Um, pricing strategy, perfect example of a place where a chief customer officer needs to have some influence because they're going to be able to position a product effectively. They need to be involved in understanding where that goes. They've got all of the customer insights. They know what people are prepared to spend and they're going to create the premium around brand. So to do that in isolation is, is worrying as one example of a, a, a tactic that an organisation has as its disposal. But coming all the way back to Kantar's thinking, 25% of media, sorry, media accounts for 25% of salience. Customer experience accounts for 75%. If a marketer only has control of, um, you know, advertising and marketing, they are not affecting 75% of the way that brand is perceived in market. So I think however we look at this, the role of a CMO needs to integrate with other parts of the business. The role of a chief customer officer is absolutely a pertinent move for an organisation to make to be able to control so much more of that. And they're, they're absolutely integration across organisational uh, structure is critical to achieving effective brand management. Uh, Nicola, that is a great summation about how businesses should go about thinking and integrating brand and really appreciate your time today. We've run out of time. Uh, it's been a great uh, conversation. I really appreciate you making the time. I've very much enjoyed it, Darren. Thank you for, for having me on the show. 
Before you go, I'm just interested, is there a brand that you are passionately loyal about? Thank you.